Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text MONICA to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me here on this Monday as we kick off a brand new week, eight days away from the midterm elections. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and happy warriors. Please follow me on social media. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore, and on Twitter, which is now free, or at least relatively free, and Truth Social, I am at Monica Crowley. Also, the email address for this show, send me an email, let me know what's on your mind. I read them all and I see them all. Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Well, today, guys, very exciting. I am in Georgia because I was invited to campaign with the great Herschel Walker running for the United States Senate. Herschel is an America first patriot who loves this great country with his whole body and whole soul. And he is a very fine man. So it's my honor to be here to introduce him at a couple of rallies here in Georgia today. It's going to be really fun. And later in the week, I will give you a full rundown of what I see on the ground in terms of not just the reaction to Herschel, but the overall enthusiasm on the part of conservatives, Republican voters, disaffected Democrats, and independents. I want to get a real sense of where Georgia is, but also where the average American voter is. That's you and me. We know how we feel, but I want to get a sense from others, particularly in Georgia, of how they view this election, how they have voted, how they will vote, um, and have just a bunch of conversations with them. So later in the week, I'm going to bring you my insights uh, from what is going on in Georgia and try to extrapolate if that sense of what I learn here in Georgia today can be projected to the rest of the country, probably. 
but you never know. So I'm going to bring you that report later in the week. Also, I'm going to try to get Herschel while I'm on the bus with him today. Uh, I'm going to try to persuade him to join this show, although he is working around the clock to earn every Georgian's vote. So hopefully I can get him this week, and if not, we'll get him after he wins for the U.S. Senate. Also this week, big shows coming up. Today we are going to talk with the Republican candidate for governor of New York, Lee Zeldin, who is within striking distance of the atrocious current governor, Kathy Hochul. He's going to be here with the latest on his race. Can he flip New York red? Wouldn't that be something? New York polls close at 9 p.m. on election night. And when we start getting returns in, if it's looking positive for Lee, you're going to know that this is a red tsunami and not a mere red wave. So we're going to talk to Lee here in just a minute. Also later this week, we're going to talk with the former Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, about the precarious state of the world and his presidential ambitions. So a lot of important stuff in the days ahead right here on the Monica Crowley podcast. Tell all of your friends and family to subscribe to this show right now because nobody should be missing a moment of this program. All right, first up, and I teased this last week, and man, am I going to let it rip. It is very difficult for me to contain my absolute disgust at the Republican leadership, namely Mitch McConnell, but really the entire Republican establishment. They are absolutely disgusting, and they all need to go. On this program, I have often talked about something that President Nixon uh, said to me, said to me a couple of times, actually, which is that he had more respect for a true believing communist than for an American Democrat. And the, the reason he said that in the context of what he said is that, so this was in the early to mid 1990s. And he said it, and I guess he believed it throughout his career battling communists, but the reason he said it was because he he meant that a communist will pretty much always tell you who they are, what they believe, and what they intend to do. They are revolutionaries who are pretty honest. They're pretty straightforward. They're revolutionaries, so they don't have time to mince words. They say, I'm a communist, this is what I believe, this is the revolution I am fighting, and that is going to be the end product. Whereas at the time, he was saying an American Democrat will believe everything that the communist believes, but will dress it up and will not tell you the truth. They'll claim that they just disagree with Republicans here and there. They, they believe in America. They just want to take it in a different path. They believe that America's problems must be solved like Republicans do, and they just disagree on how to get there. All of that bullshit, right? And there are many American Democrats who will still do that. But now that the Democratic Party is basically an out Marxist revolutionary party, You've got people pretty much telling you on the Democratic side that they're essentially communists. This is why I call them on this show Democrat communists. They're pretty straightforward. 
And yeah, they, they still will try to dress things up here and there, but you know, they don't even really pretend anymore. Not really. You got BLM, you got Antifa. I mean, they, they are a revolutionary party and they don't, because they've got the protection of the press, they don't even try anymore to, to dress up who they are. So who has taken that position of being the great bullshit artists of our time? The Republican establishment has. You see what I'm saying? So the Republican establishment will give you a good line like the old American Democrats used to do. They'll, they'll give you a line that they believe in X, Y, and Z, but they really don't. They're really something else entirely. So now the, the whole Nixon formulation, the, the people that we really respect the least are the entire Republican establishment. And they all need to go. Okay, because right now, again, the American Democrat communists will tell you who they are and what they are doing, but the Republican establishment will not. They lie to your face all day long about being small government conservatives who care about you and America, but they could care less. They're far, far too willing to partner with the evil forces on the other side who are out to just destroy the country, and they're doing a pretty good job of it, aren't they? And these Republican establishment types, they're only doing it to empower and enrich themselves. So in this way, they're actually worse than the Democrat communists, who again are pretty upfront about what they're doing. The Republican establishment are just a bunch of lying, sniveling weasels, useful idiots, for the Democrat communists, people like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, who aid and abet the Democrat communists in their lies and corruption and destruction. But today I want to turn to two, actually three, but two main ones and then a third one of the worst GOP violators of them all. Let's deal first with Mitch McConnell. Senate Minority Leader and likely Senate Majority Leader come January. Unless we can stop him, he says that he's got the votes to be the next Senate Majority Leader, and he probably does. We shall see. Mitch McConnell is a Senate player, okay? He's been around the institution a long time, and they say no one knows the Senate with its arcane rules and procedures like McConnell does. That's probably true. And he did do a lot of good during the Trump years in terms of getting a lot of Trump's judges through, which was a huge achievement. And and we're benefiting from that today. Okay, nobody is taking that away from him. But he is also a world-class GOP establishment operator who hates President Trump, hates him. He's consumed with Trump derangement syndrome, or TDS. He's so obsessed with undercutting Trump at every turn, even if it means hurting all of us and the country. Doesn't care. He also hates the America First movement because he can't control it or us. He prefers the uni party be in control. 
but he's willing to have himself as the junior partner in the leadership of the uni party. He's more than happy to have Chuck Schumer as the senior partner in the uni party. McConnell will play second fiddle as long as we can go back to that old order of the establishment, the uni party running things, pretending to argue about policy, but not really differing much at all, just making themselves more powerful and richer. That's the game. Well, America first blew that right out of the water, right? And so now Mitch McConnell and the other establishment clowns, they want it back. They want to restore that old order because they were the kings of the hill of that old order. And they had to step back and allow Donald Trump and the America First movement be the new kings of the new order, and they don't like it one bit. So they're all part of the evil empire that strikes back. So McConnell is doing his absolute best to torpedo certain America First candidates. He pulled funding from Senate candidates Blake Masters in Arizona and Don Bolduc in New Hampshire. Now, I could understand if these guys were 20 points behind. You've got a husband, your resources, you only have so much money to put behind certain candidates. I get it. So if they were running way behind, I could understand pulling the funding, but they're not. They're running even with their Democratic counterparts or just like two points behind. They are within striking distance. And if not, like in the Blake Masters uh, race against Mark Kelly, he's running even with him now. And in the state of Alaska, it's a Republican, Lisa Murkowski, an establishment nightmare, but a bosom buddy with Mitch McConnell versus America First candidate Kelly Shabaka. Well, McConnell is putting a ton of money, pushing his establishment pal Murkowski and actually attacking a fellow Republican, Kelly Shabaka. This is absolutely disgusting. Mitch McConnell would rather be in a minority he can control than a majority he cannot. That's where we are, where the Republican establishment is actually putting the country second to their own power and control. Again, they will tell you one thing, and then they operate in a completely different way. The second most disgusting Republican establishment weasel is Mitt Romney, his fellow Republican senator from Utah, the amazing Mike Lee, is up for re-election this year. Okay, And this should be a relatively easy race for a Republican in the state of Utah. And you would think that it would be an easy endorsement for Romney, right? Nope. They ginned up some bogus third-party candidacy with Evan McMuffin to try to siphon off votes from Mike Lee and elect the Democrat. That's how disgusting Mitt Romney is. Working in cahoots with Mitch McConnell to keep Republicans in the minority. Screw the country. Who cares? It's about our ego. Romney says, well, McMuffin is my friend, so I'm staying neutral. Complete bullshit. 
He is not neutral. He's actually working for the other side. You know what, Romney? I want my 2012 vote back. And the third uh, Republican weasel is uh, Karl Rove, who is active in the state of Pennsylvania, uh, running ads. His group is running ads that have the effect of supporting the Democrat running for governor, Josh Shapiro, versus the outstanding America First candidate running for governor, Doug Mastriano. Okay, so that gives you a picture of where the Republican establishment slime balls are. All of these Republican slime balls need to go. Nothing will change to the extent we want it to as long as Mitch McConnell is a Senate GOP leader. Okay, eventually he will be gone. I just don't know when. It's very hard to dislodge someone who is so deeply entrenched with the party. This is why we need to elect every America First candidate in sight. Because you need to stock the House and stock the Senate. like stocking a pond with fish. You need to stock them with as many America First personalities as possible. So that eventually, when the leadership is up to be changed, there will be big pressure to, to be brought to get rid of Mitch McConnell and install a true America First leader in both houses. McCarthy is a different situation in the House we know that, uh, you know, there were those recordings on January 6th. I, look, he's made his peace with Donald Trump. I don't know what's going on there. He's less of a threat than McConnell. McConnell is the absolute worst. So I, he's got to go. But this change just doesn't happen overnight. It should, but it doesn't. That's not the way the institution works. That's why you need to vote for every America First candidate. All of these Republican Senate candidates, they've got to get elected. So that if not this time, then the next time in 24, we can change the leadership and really begin to change things. Rome was not built in a day. We all know that. And we're all impatient because the country is hanging by a thread. But all of these establishment clowns from McConnell to Romney to Rove working behind the scenes, they need to go. Their time is over. Their time is past. They're still active and doing damage, but we've got to remove them and we do it through the force of our vote. Guys, this is existential. This country is at a real tipping point. And we've got Mitch McConnell and Mitt Romney and Karl Rove screwing with Republicans trying to take down real patriots because they can't control them? Because they threaten their gravy train? Oh, hell no. I could not be more pissed at these Republican establishment weasels if I tried. Let's get the majority again in November and then focus again on what we need to do to truly have a a fulsome America first takeover of the Republican Party. All right, when we come back, we're going to speak with one of these great America first candidates who's doing just an amazing job in the state of New York, Lee Zeldin, running for governor. He is going to join us next. And then in a little while, I've got a fascinating story about Twitter that I want to bring you. It's going to knock your socks off, plus your emails, so sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. 
I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double and the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy And you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Okay, welcome back. Well, with just eight days to go until the elections, I'm absolutely delighted to have with us today the Republican candidate for governor of New York, Lee Zeldin. Lee, welcome back. It's great to be back, Monica. Well, before we get started, Lee, I just want to say that when I launched this podcast back in late March, you were my very first guest And at the time, while we all hoped and prayed you'd turn this into a real race, we all knew New York is a deep blue state and how incredibly difficult it is for any Republican to really compete there. And now here we are just about a week away from the election, and you are certainly within striking distance of the Democratic incumbent, if not running even or even a little ahead. So tell us, Lee, from late March, when we last spoke on the show, to today, how did you make this happen? Hard work and the issues. I mean, we have the issues on our side. It, we're impossible to be outworked, uh, whether it's my effort personally, it's our campaign team. The schedule, we start early, we, we end late. We're all over the state all of the time, and uh, we have the issues on our side. And on top of that, Kathy Hochul's, She's doing a terrible job as governor. She's running a a horrible campaign, and she refuses to talk about the issues that matter most to New Yorkers. So while we're out there talking about how we need to lock up criminals and secure our streets, as we saw with the debate last week, she's trying to lecture me, asking she doesn't understand why this is so important to me. I I just had, while my 16-year-old daughters were at home doing homework at our kitchen table a few Sundays back, I had a drive-by gang-related shooting at my at my house in my front yard. Uh, we see what the uh, crime inside of the city on the streets and the subways, but also in other parts of the state elsewhere. District attorneys refusing to enforce the law. Pro-criminal laws like cashless bail were resulting in, in higher crime. And just a lack of necessary support for law enforcement. This is just one of many issues where... You know, we've been working hard to lay out our plan, our vision to secure our streets. 
And Kathy Hochul won't even talk about it. Yeah, you know, for people listening elsewhere across the country, crime really is the number one issue in the state of New York. I know it's very high up in other places as well. I mean, we really have a crime wave that's sweeping not just New York City, but New York State and elsewhere around the country. And when I saw her response to you on, there was a very particular crime question um, that you two were dealing with, and she, you were talking about locking up violent criminals, and she responded by saying, and we played this clip on the show late, but she responded by saying, well, there are consequences. And in terms of locking up violent criminals, I don't, I don't understand why that's so important to you. Um, excuse me, not just important to you, Lee Zeldin, but important to every New Yorker and every American. To me, that was the line of the the night and really lost the debate, not just for, for her, but I think may in fact lose the election for her. When she's saying that she doesn't understand why it's important to me, as you just pointed out, it's a statement to everyone else who cares about this issue as well. And she's wondering why it's so important to all of them. When she says, as she did uh, not too distant past, that I am no longer a New Yorker because she disagrees with my views. That's a message to millions of other New Yorkers. Are you declaring that they're no longer a New Yorker either? She demanded I get on a bus and I move to Florida. Are you demanding that millions of other New Yorkers get on a bus and they should move to Florida too? If you want to be the governor of New York State, you have to be willing to and want to be the governor for all New Yorkers. And she just, she doesn't want that. She wants to rule lives. And she's called on New Yorkers to be her apostles. She's referred to herself as the mother of New York's 62 counties. In America, uh, we, we shouldn't have any governor in any of the 50 states who has that kind of attitude. And we saw that play out as she's executing her strategy at the debate where she wants us to just look away. There's nothing to see here. That's her position on crime. And the rest of us are are demanding leadership. We want courage. We want boldness. Uh, We want to roll back the pro-criminal laws, fire weak DAs like Alvin Bragg who refused to enforce the law and unapologetically back our men and women in law enforcement. She just won't do any of that. You know, when she, when she talks about how you should just leave New York because you don't reflect New York's values, uh, we will all recall, especially those of us who live in the great state of New York, that Andrew Cuomo, who was her boss until, until he was unceremoniously removed from the governorship and she became the accidental governor, that Andrew Cuomo said the exact same thing. Lee, when he was governor, he said, if you believe in pro-life, if you if you believe in gun rights for law-abiding citizens, you have no place in New York. So obviously she learned that from him. And the, the other thing that struck me, Lee, about crime is that in the last week or so, she's looking at these poll numbers, she's seeing that you are surging, and she's trying now to appear tough on crime. But I would just remind everybody that, that, that Biden fooled the country by pretending that he would be reasonable and moderate while he turned out to be the exact opposite. And it's time for the people in New York State to realize that progressive extremists like Kathy Hochul will lie about anything. Oh, yeah. And she'll call it an evolution. We already know what she would say about it. She'll say whatever she needs to say right now to get elected. And then after the election, she'll take whatever position she wants to take in January, and she'll say that she's evolved. She did that with uh, the way she originally made a name for herself as a county clerk, opposing driver's licenses for illegals. And then she changed her position, and she came out in support of it, and she said she evolved. 
She was an A-rated NRA-endorsed member of Congress. Now uh, she's always looking for any new way to target law-abiding gun owners to take away their Second Amendment rights, and she'll just say she evolved. So you can't believe anything she said. And quite, and, and quite frankly, even with Castle's bail, for example, she says that there's no data to support any changes to it and that you have to elect her to find out what her position on that would be in January. She actually says out loud that you have to elect her to find out what her position is, which is, you know, giving a lot of people memories of Pelosi's approach to legislating that you have to pass bills to find out what's in it. Right. And for, for Kathy Hochul's approach to this campaign in many respects on a lot of different topics, you have to elect her to find out what she stands for. Yeah, and you know, her tactic, uh, for those who are not following New York's gubernatorial race, Kathy Hochul, her major attack against Lee Zeldin is that she's trying to label you as some kind of extremist. But you know what's extreme? Letting murderers out without bail. And, and then a whole other long list of extremist policies that Kathy Hochul and the Democrats have put in place in the state of New York that has absolutely destroyed this one strong state. Yeah, a- absolutely. Amen. And, you know, I, I was actually, it's funny that you say that because I was at a rally a few days back in, in Rochester. And a member of the media was asking me a question about uh, Hochul's attack calling me extreme. And I, yes, basically, I said the same thing that you did. We were talking about what's extreme. Look at these these policies that are coming out of Albany. Look at the uh, the people who are getting pushed in front of oncoming subway cars. Uh, whether it's crime, it's high taxes, it's the state's ban on the safe extraction of natural gas. The list goes on. Uh, and I would call all of these policies and then the consequences of these policies, that's all extreme. Yes. I mean, the Democrats are just masters of projection. They accuse us of what they themselves are guilty of. So when she's calling you an extremist, it's because she, in fact, is extreme. Lee, what about the cost of living crisis? Obviously, it's affecting every single American. But if you live in the state of New York, you feel it even more intensely, perhaps in the rest of the country, because, you know, the cost of living in New York State has always been high. And that's a large in large part because of crushing taxes and regulations that make doing business in this state so incredibly expensive. So if you're elected governor, how are you going to make New York affordable again, or at least more affordable. Well, that was also one of the many other mistakes of Kathy Hochul the other night last week at our debate. She said multiple times out of nowhere, she says, Lee Zeldin keeps talking about cutting taxes, cutting taxes, cutting taxes. Uh, Guilty, you know, Uh, that's true. I do. And then it's bad enough that she said it once. Then later on in the, the debate, she says, Lee Zeldin, all you hear from him about this, he just keeps talking about cutting taxes, cutting taxes, cutting taxes. Uh, that's true. Absolutely. And I, I thank you for amplifying. Uh, in the New York State, it's about having jobs, not just unemployment, but tackling underemployment. Uh, the business climate in this state is, is terrible. Uh, we have a lot of businesses that are either dying or moving out of state businesses certainly don't want to move into New York. The only way to get businesses to move in into New York is if essentially they're 
bought off their bribes with billions of dollars worth of tax breaks. On top of that, we need to improve the regulatory environment. We need people in charge of state agencies who are looking to support business, not prosecute business. And as I mentioned earlier, with the safe extraction of natural gas, the state bans it. We should allow it. There are pipeline applications that should be approved. We create jobs, generate revenue, revitalize communities, bring down energy costs. There is so much opportunity that is untapped. And the other side mocks us for this. Yeah, I know. You know, it just struck me as you were talking, and you were going to be a phenomenal governor of New York, but it struck me, Lee, that uh, as you were saying all of this, that one of the reasons someone like Governor DeSantis is so successful in the state of Florida is because he's got a Republican legislature. So he might propose something or a Republican legislator proposes something and it goes through and the governor signs it into law. And that's why Florida has been able to turn things around and remain free. But in the case of New York, if and when you are elected on Tuesday, you will be facing a Democratic legislature. So how do you square that circle? How do you intend to get things done? Well, for one, we have to break the supermajority, and I'm confident we will break the supermajority. On the Senate side, it's fascinating because if the Republicans hold everything that they have, there's 18 senators out of a 63-seat state legislature, but there are 16 seats right now that are competitive. So it'll be interesting to see just how well election night goes mm. because I, I, on the low end, I, I'm very confident. I, I guarantee that we are going to break the supermajority in the state Senate. But it might start to get interesting if these next 10 days go the right way, if everything's breaking well across the state. You know, it would be amazing to see the Senate Republicans get closer to that 32 number. We'll see. There's some things that we can do on our own. The governor of New York has the constitutional authority to remove district attorneys who refuse to enforce the law. I've pledged that as my first action, the first day that I'm going to notify the Manhattan district attorney, Alvin Bragg, that he's being removed. Uh, New York has a has a crime crisis. I say that the state legislature should come to the table to overhaul cashless bail and these other pro-criminal laws. They've indicated so far that they don't want to do that. They're unwilling to do that. I can force them to the table. What I'm going to do on day one is I'm going to declare a crime emergency here in the state of New York, and I'm going to suspend cashless bail and a few of these other pro-criminal laws and force the state legislature to come to the table. Uh, so there's some things that we can do on our own tactically. The governor has a lot of power with the, with the budget process in New York. Uh, there's bills that members of the state legislature need the governor to sign off on. And then you have the power of the soapbox and moving public opinion, showing up in districts, doing rallies, doing press conferences, getting local media, uh, changing the conversation on topics where particular positions and issues might be misunderstood. Uh, we're, looking to, we're looking to utilize every lever that we can to maximize our ability to get good things done. And it's not to make ourselves more powerful. All of it is about restoring this uh, government in a way that people can be proud of again and, and that people can feel like they're in charge of the state again. And that's certainly not the case today with Kathy Hochul. Yeah, no, 100%. And the governor in New York does have a lot of power, particularly on issues like education as well. Tremendous learning loss thanks to school closures. We've got CRT and the sexualization of our children going on in schools. And I know as governor, you could take some executive action in that regard, right? This shouldn't even be necessary, but it is. The first day that we're in office, we're going to declare, we're going to sign an executive order 
that says that in New York, parents have a fundamental right to control the upbringing of their child, and that right is not relinquished to the government just by sending your kid off to school. And with that, there's other points that are relevant. I, I, there should be no school district where that third grader uh, is in the middle of a math class and their teacher is uh, teaching them about uh, something that's related to math or it's a class related to writing, arithmetic, whatever else. And someone raises their hand and asks some question that maybe some older brother planted in their head. And then that teacher uses that as an opportunity to stop teaching the classroom about math and instead give a, uh, you know, an impromptu spontaneous sex education class. Instead, what I believe is that when that student raises their hand and they're asking that question that the teacher needs to go to the parent and let the parent answer that question at home. My daughters are 16 now. When they were in third grade, they were uh, young third graders. And if one kid in that class could think of a question that maybe an eighth grader would have uh, been able to ask and it was planted in some third grader's head, I don't want you talking about that in front of my kid. Let me deal with that at home. Uh, so we're going to make sure that that fundamental right is one that is recognized throughout the state of New York uh, and that classrooms are focused on just providing the highest quality education, not trying to indoctrinate our kids, not trying to brainwash our kids just providing a quality education. Final couple of of, uh, questions for you, Lee, and we'll send you back out onto the campaign trail. Uh, Your opponent, Kathy Hochul, is just hip deep in corruption. Obviously, firing firing her on Tuesday is step one to cleaning up New York State. But what else would you do to get rid of all of this gross pay-to-play corruption? Well, for one, I wouldn't be doing that where Kathy Hochul deliberately, purposefully has it as her campaign plan to be able to raise tens of millions of dollars, she would sell out access to her office. I mean, the most basic point is don't do that. Uh, On on top of that, I'm someone who supports term limits. I would term limit myself, uh, call the state legislature to term limit me, but regardless, I wouldn't run for a, a third term. And I don't believe that anyone uh, in the uh, in state statewide office should be running for a, a third term. Uh, I believe that it's important for me to expand the state's executive order with regards to accepting campaign contributions from political appointees. I would make it even bigger. I would not accept campaign contributions from any political appointee uh, or their spouses. Um, I wouldn't be taking these one-on-one donor meetings that Kathy Hochul takes with people who are actively uh, seeking contracts from the state. The the fact is these meetings wouldn't be taking place with the governor if not for their donation to the governor. So it's Mm -hmm. just an inherently corrupt meeting. Even if you say to yourself that nothing will influence me, well, the only reason why you're having the meeting is because he just donated to Kathy Hochul you know, that $40,000 or whatever else was being promised offered. So there's, there's a lot more that can be done. Um, but not to overcomplicate this, this is just about having integrity, having a moral compass, understanding right from wrong, not putting yourself in any bad positions, learning from the past and understanding that the people of New York are, are desperate for that level of competency. 
Yeah, and approaching your office as uh, being a servant of the people of New York, which is what the governor is, rather than seeking to enrich and empower yourself, like Kathy Hochul has done. This is about, and I, I, guys, I've known Lee Zeldin for a long time. He really does have a servant's heart for the people he represents and for this country. And that's why you're going to be such a fantastic governor. Um, Speaking of corruption, just a last question for you here, Lee. How confident are you that this race will be clean? And do you have precautions in place? Do you have attorneys in New York City, um, uh, poll watchers, people who stand ready to make sure that this is a fair and free election? We have a lot of poll workers and we can use more if anyone's out there and they want to volunteer. We have a lot of attorneys. We can use more if anyone out there is interested in volunteering. Uh, we have had over the course of the last over 18 months of this campaign, many meetings, many conversations with people sharing their observations of where the Spanish translator is telling the voter in that precinct to vote Democrat. What precinct would allow electioneering of the Democrats outside the front door, but not allow Republicans. There's been so many conversations with so many people that we've really been leaning into this stuff well for a while. But as far as anyone out there who's able to help, uh, please do. Whether you're an attorney, you have experience working with this kind of an effort uh, with other campaigns, or if, or if you're a first-time volunteer, uh, I would encourage everybody to go to our, my website at zeldenfornewyork.com. Sign up to volunteer and we'll get right back to you. Absolutely. Zeldenfornewyork.com. Uh, sign up. And I've been preaching this on this show for a long time. Everybody across the country needs to volunteer whatever they have, their time, their resources, or their expertise in their local communities to make sure that all of these races across the nation are fair and that they are that there is transparency and that there is accountability. And New York is certainly no exception. Actually, New York is probably at the top of the list of places to be watched because a democratic machine is so entrenched and so powerful in this state. Well, Lee, I want to thank you so much. I noticed that uh, the Cook political report has tilted uh, in your direction. It used to be solid Democrat. Now it's likely Democrat. But others now have this race as a pure toss-up. So final question to you, where do we stand a week out? What are your internal polls showing? Oh, this race couldn't possibly be any tighter right now. But the good news is that we have the momentum. We have the energy. We have the issues on our side. So we just have to keep working hard across this state. It's a big state. Everybody out there needs to tell everyone they know, email, social media, texts, word of mouth. Uh, In order for us to win, we need everybody everywhere doing everything in their power and taking nothing for granted. Uh, In-person early voting has started. It started a couple days ago on Saturday, uh, and it will continue over the course of the next several days. Uh, And of course, and and by the way, that is on the same machine that you vote on on Election Day. And then, of course, we have Election Day with the polls open until 9 p.m. So we're encouraging everyone to participate to the absolute max. It's been a long time since New Yorkers have been this close to a very real opportunity to be able to save this state. Yes. Uh, there have been times where you're hoping that you know, maybe in a few years you'll get an opportunity. And then a few years pass by and the opportunity actually never arrived. 
Well, this is as real as it gets. We're days away from an election where we absolutely can and will fire Kathy Hochul and one party rule and save New York. Absolutely. And, you know, Americans, when they live in deep blue states, they will be pushed and pushed and pushed. And they will put up with a lot, Lee, until the moment they don't. And this is one of those moments. So New Yorkers, we can do it. And I'm going to say right here, as I said a couple of days ago after the debate on social media, Lee Zeldin is going to be the next governor of New York, and we are going to save the Empire State. But we can't take anything for granted over the next eight days. We need all hands on deck. Go to ZeldinForNewYork.com. Even if you don't live in the state of New York, support Lee Zeldin however you can. Thank you so much, my friend. We're with you. Thank you, Monica. You bet. Thanks, Lee. Okay, we've got a fascinating story about Twitter that's going to knock you out. That's coming up next. But first, I'd like to take a moment to welcome a terrific new sponsor, Liver Health Formula. Liver Health Formula contains 12 powerful botanicals clinically proven to recharge and protect your liver at the cellular level. It helps restore your liver's detoxifying abilities, boosts your energy levels, and can kick your natural metabolism into high gear. Liver Health Formula is backed by the latest science and it's approved by American doctors. And every bottle is manufactured right here in the United States. And right now, as a listener of our show, you can try Liver Health Formula completely risk-free and receive five free gifts when you order today. First, you'll receive a free 30-day supply of nano-powered omega-3. This powerful blend of omega-3 fatty acids supports a healthy heart and brain with four times better absorption thanks to this special nano-delivery system. You're also getting four free ebooks to support every aspect of your health and longevity, regardless of age. Go to getliverhelp.com slash Monica, or call them toll-free at 800-282-1757 to claim your risk-free supply of liver health formula and all five bonus gifts. That's getliverhelp.com slash Monica, or call 800 800- 282-1757. You're covered by their 365-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to risk. But supplies are limited, so head on over to getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call toll-free at 800-282-1757 now to order Liver Health Formula and claim your five free bonus gifts while you still can. That's getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call 800-282-1757. We'll be right back. So the other day, I was going through some old material I had for show prep for this podcast, and I came across a piece from about six months ago, and I stopped dead in my tracks. It's from the Heritage Foundation, and it was called... Twitter vows to fight election misinformation. More censorship incoming. Well, now, I read through the piece in light of Elon Musk's takeover last week, and here's how the piece goes. Again, this is from about six months ago. Quote, in the run-up to November's midterm elections, 
Twitter is priming itself to go on a censoring spree in the name of, quote, fighting misinformation. What could possibly go wrong? The social media platform made the announcement that it was, quote, activating enforcement of our civic integrity policy for the 2022 U.S. midterms. The tech giant said it would institute so-called pre-bunks, information designed to counter misleading narratives, on top of putting its finger on the scale to prevent tweets containing misinformation from reaching users through notifications. The company said, quote, Twitter plays a critical role in empowering democratic conversations, facilitating meaningful political debate, and providing information on civic participation, not only in the U.S., but around the world. People deserve to trust the election conversations and content they encounter on Twitter. <laughs> indeed, Twitter, indeed. Heritage continues, this new policy is ripe for abuse. Twitter has proven time and again it cannot be trusted to serve as a neutral judge of what is or isn't misinformation. The most obvious example of this failure to act neutrally is the botched handling of the Hunter Biden laptop case. Twitter was perfectly comfortable pre-bunking the story before the 2020 presidential election. It aggressively blocked the New York Post story reporting on Hunter's laptop and prevented anyone from linking to it on the site. That decision may very well have altered the results of the election. Goes on, not content to indirectly impact the results of an election, Twitter literally takes its marching orders from Democrats. Alex Berenson, a former New York Times reporter who was smeared as a COVID-19 conspiracy theorist, obtained documents revealing the White House demanded the site ban him. Berenson said on his substack that according to internal Slack conversations between Twitter employees, Andrew Slavitt, a senior member of Biden's COVID-19 response team had mentioned Berenson specifically as a source of COVID-19 misinformation and encouraged the platform to ban him. On top of colluding with the Democrats to eliminate their opposition online, Twitter has permitted blatant lies surrounding elections to stay posted so long as they benefit the Democrats. It goes on to say, and the piece concludes with this, Twitter claims it wants to ensure fair elections that take place around the world. Then it should open source its algorithms to ensure people know exactly what's going on behind the scenes, as well as provide details into its content moderations and decisions. How better to ensure that everything is fair if people know they won't be censored for political speech that offends the sensibilities of coastal elites? If Twitter wants to be viewed as a reputable source of information, it needs to prove to the American people it deserves that trust. Again, this is from six months ago, okay? And I saw it and I pulled it and I wanted to share it with you because this now at the end of what Twitter was going to need to do to restore trust, well, it's happening, just not in the way that anybody thought. The world's richest man, pissed off about the suspension of a satire site, bought the thing. And he's lifting the suppression algorithms. He's pledged fairness and equal treatment. 
And he may very well expose what Twitter was doing, both in terms of the internal workings of the algorithms and their collusion with the Biden campaign and the Biden administration to suppress all kinds of information from the Hunter laptop to the vaccines, to the origins of the Wuhan virus, to everything in between. That was actual collusion. And we may get the truth about it now that Elon has control over Twitter. He's probably sitting atop a mountain of evidence of crimes and collusion. He probably now has the power to destroy big swaths of big tech. I hope to God he doesn't let us down. You know, we'll see. We'll see how he uses this new power. In the meantime, he has freed the bird, and Twitter is now a more joyful place for us conservatives. Free speech, it feels like a new lease on life, right? I saw that Dinesh D'Souza uh, tweeted something where he said, you know, the, the sense of euphoria, especially last Friday, the first day where a lot of these algorithms were lifted, he said it felt like we were in Berlin the day that the wall came down, where everybody was so joyfully dancing and celebrating that the wall came down. It's, it really is kind of like the euphoria of being liberated. But make no mistake, guys, the empire will strike back. The empire always strikes back. The regime will not allow unlimited free speech on Twitter to stand. It can't. It can't function without censorship. So expect them to try to railroad Musk or frame him like they've continued to try to do with Donald Trump or try to shut down Twitter or on some pretext or something. I am sure that Merrick Garland and his leftist drones are working on it as we speak. So enjoy this free speech moment because it may be short-lived. The regime cannot tolerate this for long. It is an existential crisis to them, so they must crush it. As they've tried to do with Donald Trump, watch. This is a war. I tell you all the time, this is a war. At least now, so many of us are awake to it. We're awake to what's actually going on here, and we're warriors in this fight. With Twitter in our arsenal, at least for the moment. But brace yourselves and get ready because the fight is going to get worse. Okay, your email's coming up. But first, guys, listen up because the holidays are coming and you want to be glowing, right? You want your skin to be as healthy and radiant around that Thanksgiving table. And from now until Thanksgiving, treat yourself to GenuCell's most popular package for 70% off at GenuCell.com right now. And during this holiday season, every most popular package order includes GenuCell's Hyaluronic Acid Correcting Serum absolutely free when you add it to the cart. GenuCell's products delight men and women just like you with inspiring results by correcting their daily skin problems like wrinkles, dark spots, dry skin, sagging jawline, facial redness, and even those annoying bags and puffiness. And with its immediate effects, GenuCell guarantees results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. So order right now at GenuCell.com slash Monica. 
Your most popular package includes a complimentary gift set plus free express shipping. So check them out at GenuCell. It's spelled G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com. GenuCell dot com slash Monica. Again, that's GenuCell dot com slash Monica. We'll be right back. Okay, guys, let's rock with the Monday email bag. Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com is our email address. Again, Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Pat writes with a lovely note to me. Hey, Monica, recently tuned into your podcast and can't get enough. You're a true MAGA conservative and a credit to this country. While I agree with you on most every issue you discuss, there is one that I have to respectfully disagree with. While Her Majesty the Queen was the OGB, the original girl boss, for many years, she needs to pass that mantle down to you. You, Miss Crowley, are now the original girl boss. Love your podcast. You keep talking and I'll keep listening. America first. Aw, Pat, what an amazing note to be compared to QE2. Wow, (laughs) I'm blown away and humbled by that comparison, Pat. But the grand lady was in a category all her own. I'm just out here trying to save the country I love. Right alongside you, Pat, and all of the other America First patriots working so hard to bring this nation back to our foundational greatness. And we're going to do it in just about eight days. I so appreciate the sweet words, though, Pat. Thank you. And I will take compliments all day long. (laughs) Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for me here on this Monday. I am in Georgia with Herschel Walker, and I will bring you a full report here about what I'm seeing on the ground on Wednesday, along with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo later in the week. So you're not going to want to miss a second. Tell all of your friends and family to subscribe right now so that they don't miss a minute either. All right. So have a great start to your week, and I will see you right back here on Wednesday. Wednesday.